piece of me? Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of night pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. What's up, film fans? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to episode 271 Welcome of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan, and I am joined by Zach. Hey, what's going on, guys? Everyone doing good out there? Good, good. Also, we are joined by... Zach, you want to introduce? Yeah, we have a special guest today. We have uh, director Chuck Marangiallo. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, Chuck. And uh, Caroline, Carolina Marajo. How are you guys doing today? Hey, guys. How's everybody doing out there in movie land? <laughs> We're doing good, good. Um, so we, the, our two guests here are here to promote their new film, The American Ripper. Uh, just to give a little brief synopsis, uh, as soon as Bobby and Lola, newly married couple, move into the new house, into a new house, Bobby transitions into a delusional maniac murderer who turns into a disturbing psychopath, torturing Lola and killing anyone comes his way. So family fun all around, as we can, as, as the synopsis says. Um, first off, Bobby, uh, sorry, Ch Chuck, um, what drives you as a director, or or Start off, what drives you as a director overall? Um, what drives me as the director? Or just what drives you as a director? Like what makes you want to direct or what brings, what gives you influences or um, anything like that? You know, we have a lot of different aspects on that that uh, that question. You know, we, we just, me and Caroline are both directors and producers and actors. We're both musicians and uh, we like uh, entertaining people. You know, we like to, to, put our vision out there and entertain the, uh, our fans and our friends and other people. So yeah. um, directing wise, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, has all great aspects of uh, entertaining and uh, gives me a chance to my vision to come across uh, what I'm trying to portray, you know? Yeah. And I, I saw that you guys both play actually uh, Bobby and uh, Lola as the, you guys, you direct and act. Is that, I've always been curious, is that a challenge to like kind of balance between director and actor or is it kind of just a come natural? Yes, it's a challenge. Uh, why? Because uh, you have to act in the same time. You have to actually visualize the whole scene and you have mm. to be behind the camera to uh, try to take the best take. And uh, yes, it was a challenge. Uh, the American Ripper, the movie that we are talking about, uh, was entirely made by myself and my husband. Uh, we are a husband-wife team. So uh, it was extremely difficult uh, because we didn't have a film crew. Why? Because it was COVID-19, so everything was shut down. We couldn't actually get uh, anybody to work with us at that time. And we said, well, screw it. We're going to do it ourselves. And we just took the camera and filmed the whole movie ourselves within one year. So um, it took us around like, you know, one year to complete everything. And yes, it was challenging. Chuck was trying to direct at the same time he was a main star of the movie. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that, that seems like the, the narrative right now because of we're in the end of 2023. We had a interview to director a few 
about a year or two ago who again he had a horror movie and he directed it on his family's lake house because of COVID-19 was just taking everybody out so talk to us about the difficulties of filming like you know during COVID-19 during the pandemic you just got done kind of telling us how it was what about filming on location during the pandemic like where was this location for you guys was it hard to find was it maybe even in your own backyard or you know how did how did that happen well, that's a good question. So, uh, again, uh, being locked down and having our food delivered uh, to us, uh, you know, we were really afraid to get sick. Um, you know, we were wearing our mask everywhere we went, but we really didn't even go out that much. So we figured, hey, you know what, let's make a film uh, in our, our, our area, you know, in our house. So we basically made a uh, we live on a beautiful lake. So we uh, we film our film and in, in basically our mansion. You know, nice. and uh, yeah. we had a great time filming it. And and then we had, a, we had, I don't know how many, 15, 16 actors, right, in the film? Yeah. So we have a lot of actors, and we had to make sure that they had their shots done uh, and they were not COVID, COVIDized. Um, and, uh, you know, we were very careful about that. Uh, we worked with these, with these actors for a while. Uh, they would come yeah. over, we would shoot a certain scene, we'd come back and we'd say, okay, let's, we can use that or we'd have to reshoot it. We wanted to make it perfect, you know, perfect. So it was a little bit um, cumbersome. Um, there, there was some difficulties um, in making the film because um, we're used to having a large crew. Right. So yeah. here we had to do uh, everything ourselves uh, from lighting uh, to shooting all the scenes, the close-ups, the backup shots, middle shots, um, you know, stick shots, non-stick shots. Um, I mean, it looks like we have a film crew of 50 people. Um, and plus we did all the music scores. So, um, oh, wow. Wow. a professional, uh, guitarist, I'm a lead guitar player. I used to play with Marty, Marty Ballin from the Jefferson airplane, Jefferson starship. I was his lead guitar okay. player for 10 years. Wow. Um, okay. and so I said, Hey, you know, I'm just going to, we'll use different sound effects that we make and we'll use Tonewood amp, which I represent. And they kind of sponsor them and they sponsor me. Um, and, uh, I put a lot of these different cool sounds in the film which made it just very, very cool. You know, we had a great time making the film. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks it looks really, it looks like a good film. Um, obviously, this is a, a thriller, a crime thriller. Was this based off, you know, any real cases or is it just all completely made up? So it's um, basically completely made up story, uh, which Chuck wrote and, you know, he one day his had his great vision that he wants to make a movie about a killer or about mm. about a psychopath uh, because, uh, you know, he's um, really inspired by uh, many horror movies that he watched when he was younger. He likes, you know, The Shining, Jack Nicholson, and I like them too. So um, he wanted to, he always wanted to play a role of a maniac or a psychopath. So he wrote the whole screenplay based on that, um, you know, killer behavior. And, um, you know, when you watch the movie, you will see that Bobby, which is, a, you know, uh, a main actor, the main character, he transitions to Henry, which is the psychopath. So um, the whole movie is just written around that character, Bobby and Henry. And Lola and Maria. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you, you mentioned The Shining as um, uh, definitely a big influence. Was this Coop? Would you say Kubrick as one as a director you would you look look up to and get inspired by? 
Well, you know, I love Stanley Kilgrek. I like Oliver Stone. I like, uh, you know, all the great directors out there, any of these great directors. Uh, Kubrick is one of my favorite. Um, I, I like uh, some of the old black and white, you know, uh, Houston and uh, all these, uh, even, you know, um, Martin Scorsese, uh, all these filmmakers today. Um, so, you know, watching The Shining and watching, um, you know, uh, Anthony Perkins and Psycho, uh, which was an, another favorite of mine. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I, I think I can do that. I can play that part of a maniac. Um, but I had to get myself into character. So I had to figure out how to play this part after I wrote the screenplay. So I started uh, going back to, uh, you know, serial killers, basically like, uh, you know, Charles Manson and his, his group there and Jeffrey Dahmer and, uh, and, uh, also, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, and uh, probably Ted Bundy. Huh? Probably Ted Bundy. Ted oh, Bundy. Okay, yeah, yeah, Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. So one, I don't want to tell you too much of it, but uh, I, I was studying Ted Bundy, a lot of Ted Bundy, studying a lot of uh, Charles Manson. It's just great to watch this psychopath, this maniac. Um, mm -hmm. And um, also, um, uh, what's his name over there? Um, uh, from Wisconsin area. Oh, um, so basically. Uh, Ed Gein. Yeah, he, he wanted to get into the role. So I watched him, you know, locking himself up in the office and just trying to watch these films because we didn't really know how to play this role. You know, we didn't know yeah. how the psychopath acts. So we only know from watching horror movies and stuff, but you really have to watch the real life psychopath to understand, uh, yeah. you know, what the how to portray the character. So it was kind of bizarre but yeah that was a challenge <laughs> yeah but after studying these guys i mean these guys were literally crazy i mean you watch some of this stuff i mean i was going through you know hours and hours of footage and footage and interviews of these you know especially manson what a what a crazy you know crazy uh, person yeah. Uh, yeah. jeffrey Dahmer, total oh, yeah. sicko you yeah. know so i was yeah. thinking you know what i'm gonna use some of this in my film right. so uh it just it just worked out really great you know the way we i wrote the screenplay and it kind of worked out really nice this, this is kind of an impromptu question, but uh, I didn't know about the Jefferson Starship. But uh, Chuck, let me ask you, how different is it to get up on stage and just have at it on a guitar? I mean, I mean you, you probably get into some kind of character getting up there and, and getting into your guitar. But how different is it from getting up on stage to maybe being behind the camera or in front of the camera and the two transitions? Is it completely, you know, total opposites or do they kind of actually favor one another? That's a good question. I mean, that's an excellent question. Um, uh, you know, playing on stage since I was 15, I've always played in, you know, uh, uh, popular groups in Long Island and, and, and playing with Marty, you know, you know he's an you know, iconic lead singer, rock star, you know. Um, you know, um, you got to be an actor, either playing and rocking out on your guitar and seeing thousands of people that you're playing in front of, you know, and um, you know, we're just regular people, but, uh, to do the acting, they kind of worked hand in hand, you know? Um, so I always kind of like to be on stage and performing my, my guitar. Uh, and then I also like to be in front of the camera. Uh, and I also like to be behind the, the camera as well. And I like to direct, um, and get those best takes, uh, out of, out of my actors. Um, we're looking for that sweet take, you know, that one, one beautiful take. Uh, Marty used to always say, Chuck, you know, I want to grab your brain and take it from your brain, try to get that best solo, you know, when we're in the studio. And that's kind of what I did, you know, and I would 
I'd say, I think that's good. He's like, no, I, you can do it better, you know? So yeah. it's kind of the same thing that we're doing behind the cameras when we direct or if I'm in front of the cameras with myself or Carolina and, actors. and other actors that we've worked with. Um, that's, I, I, we will, so we talked about some of the directors you had maybe looked up to, um, but I know the year's almost over. But if you had some goals that you both and you both can answer if you have separate goals, but um, if there are some goals that you maybe would want to accomplish in the next 12 months, maybe from now to the end of 2024, what are some other stuff that you maybe want to, you know, check off your list in the next 12 months? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, we have a new project, new movie that is in post right now. So it's probably going to be coming out uh 2024 Easter. So we are hoping to finish it by January. Uh, we are working for editors right now and our producers, um, co-producers and distributors in LA. So we have a lot of work that we are on right now and trying to accomplish this project. Then we have another film that Chuck just finished a screenplay for that. And we're going to go and shoot it in March. Uh, we were going to Harper's Ferry in West Virginia. And we're going to shoot another big production there. And then we have another movie which is not even touched, uh, not, not even in post. It's on the shelf. It's all filmed. It's just we didn't have really time to, to even put our hands on it. But it's all our goals for 2024. Hopefully we can just push it out, you know, because those yeah. movies are just, uh, we try to, you know, trying to have a business where we're working going. here, you know, like it's yeah. not, I'm not going to stop in one movie. We can just keep producing keep going. every couple of months. We got a film that we filmed in uh, Europe. Uh, we filmed it in uh, 10 degree weather, just like our other film, Amityville Mount Misery Road, left right next to the Amityville Horror House, because I oh, grew wow. up five minutes away from it. Um, it's a whole nother great story. Um, but um, we filmed this movie in 10 degree weather and freezing cold. You know, we're in these these Nazi bunkers in Germany and, and Poland. Uh, there's nobody out there but me and her and maybe one or two other actors. And it, it just came out great. The, the, the ambiance, the, the mood, you know, in the wintertime, you know. So we're excited about that film. Uh, it's not even in post-production yet. Right, so. But we have this other film that we've been hammering uh, that we're trying to get out. It's about a creature. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, mm -hmm. That's our good friends uh, over at ITM Films. They're the ones that put out the American Ripper for us in uh, Amityville, Mount, Mount Misery Road. So we're yes, we, we, nice. we are doing the movie about the creature right now. It's in post, and there is another creature coming along this year. Yeah, things, we like creatures. We like monsters. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned Blood and Honey um, and the American Ripper. It's funny that you did say that because just looking at the trailer and some of the, the pictures from the American Ripper makes you feel like it's – in the same universe almost as, as blood and honey. Um, and it shows you that, you know, a mo it, it doesn't matter the production value. It doesn't matter how popular it is on its initial release. All it takes is that one just viral shot and your film can just automatically blow up, especially on today's world of social media, TikToks and stuff like that. Um, what is your, I didn't send this over to you guys, but the American Ripper as a whole for the people who are listening and watching, um, you know, where can you stream or where can this movie, The American Ripper, be found right now if somebody wanted to watch it? The American Ripper right now could be uh, found on uh, um, Amazon Prime. Uh, you can watch it there. You can watch it on Vudu. Uh, it'll be on all platforms because uh, it was just released on October 26th. 
So as time goes on, it'll be on Vudu, uh, excuse me, on Tubi. It'll be on uh, international platforms as well. It'll probably be dubbed in German, you know. Um, but for now, it's just Vudu and Amazon Prime. Uh, the cool thing about this uh, film is uh, that it just presents a story. So it's mm -hmm. not really just a slasher or another stupid horror movie that you watch and you fall asleep. There is a story <laughs> behind it and there's a twist in the end. So it's kind of, there is a value in that movie that um, when the viewer is going to watch it, he's going to feel something. Uh, so we try to, it's like a, almost like a psychological thriller. Yes, there's a lot of blood. That's why they call it a slasher because we just mm -hmm. over-exaggerate with blood, you know, fake blood, obviously. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's the meaning behind it and there is definitely a story in it. Carolina did all the uh, special effects, and here's one of the uh, effects that are in the uh, in the film uh, that we put in. So we did all the special effects ourselves, and nice. we did all of our. Um, nice. I don't know if you can see, you guys can see that out there. Um, Carolina, show that one, and then. Uh, so okay, so what we are showing here, we are showing here. This is just a can of peace and cares. When you're gonna wear it? When you're gonna watch the film? This is Charlie, Peace and Caros, and this little boy is Chuck when he was younger. So wow. uh, we designed all that, and uh, this is very disturbing scenes that was this can was used in the movie. We like Quentin Tarantino too, so that's kind of where we liked uh, him using those cans in uh, in his last movie. One of the what was the movie with Hollywood? Uh, Once upon a time Once in upon Hollywood. Hollywood. He was using yeah. the dog cans and making those up. A tooth, a wolf tooth. <laughs> wolf tooth. Wolf tooth. So we do a lot of these little things in our film. This is something that Carolina made. Uh, so this is the shotgun shell box. Uh, you can see actually a picture of our dogs there. So oh, yeah. we designed it like with our dogs on it. So, there's another one that we used on. Oh, uh, that that's like in one of the scenes, you know, like it's 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 rat yeah. poison, you know. But mm. we're not gonna tell you. We why. don't want to tell you too much. Yeah. So, well, you want you to watch the film, but uh, you know, Caroline is a is a professional FX person as well. So um, we had a lot of fun in the stuff that she was doing. It's uh, it's pretty amazing what she had did. That's cool. Cause the fact that you're able to just make your own uh, tools and crafts and um, things that you're going to use in the movie props that you're going to use in the movies is always, it's always been fun and interesting. Um, Chuck, as a director, I, I didn't, we didn't send you this question, but I just thought of it off the top of my head. Um, how do you know when you've got like the shot, like whether, you know, whether it be working with your wife or different actors, just like, you know, you probably, I'm sure you guys did a lot of um, not ad lib, but just like training and just, uh, just, Check just making sure everyone knew their lines. I know there's a word for that. It's just like slipped my brain. Um, but how do you know, like, when you're filming, like, that's the shot that I want to use for the film? That's a good question. So, so you know, you can just, um, you feel just, it. Zach, you can just feel it. Feel it. You just mm -hmm. know when it's that sweet take, mm -hmm. you know, when it just feels good. Uh, and especially after we shoot it, we're like, yeah, that's it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you, yeah. or hey, I, I think you can do better than that. Let's get that. Uh, we would probably shoot. Actually, we, we would shoot sometimes three takes and it would seem to be sometimes the first take sometimes would be always the best take. Right. Um, and even in music, it seems to be if I'm, you know, laying down a nice guitar line, a lead line, you know, I sometimes I feel like sometimes the, the, the first take is the more organic, the more natural yeah. take um, where it feels good. And uh, to try to top it or try to 
keep burning it over and over again, you start to lose the feel of it. So we, mm. we feel that uh, one or two takes and, you know, sometimes we would have to do five takes. I mean, Stanley Kubrick would do 150 takes yeah, to, yeah. to get his right, to get his yeah. perfect take, you know. Sometimes yeah. we did like 10, 20 takes with our actors because we knew that they are just not warm up enough. You have to, yeah. like, it's just not going to portray it on, on the camera enough. And yeah. I'm an editor, so I basically know how it's going to look in post. And when I'm seeing the take and I'm seeing that the actor is not ready yet or I'm just don't feel it. I don't feel it. Okay. Like I don't, you're not convincing, you know, like convince me that you're really that person. Then, uh, then they're going to do it over and over again until I understand. Okay. That person is warm up enough. We can now shoot. That was the sweet take. That was the uh, martini shot, you know, as they say. So, yeah. (laughs) I know David Fincher, you know, he he's infamous for doing a bunch of takes over and over again to the point where his actors get pissed off. But yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. what you guys said. It's just, you know, until you get it right or until you feel that scene or that that performance works, you know, you might have to go at it a couple of times. And that, you know, that's just part of the that's just part of the movie making business. You can see people getting more warmed up. You know, I mean, we're we're, yeah. we're really into what we're doing. So sometimes we would say, OK, uh, give us give us a better take, you know, do it over and over again. And finally we'd be like, that's the one we're looking for. Sometimes It's not also good to over-exaggerate, like to give too Mm. much, you know, like some people they're trying so hard, you know, or doing it too much and too much breathing or, uh, you know, voice, uh, too much of sounds. Like we don't need all that, you know, it depends on the scene, but um just you have to be natural in your role you know like it sometimes doesn't really require that much drama you know you have to calm down a little bit and be more softer it just really depends what you want to portray but i tell you something really what i discovered and chuck as well that anything uh you're doing in movie industry when you're acting in front of camera it's you have to actually do it double uh, to be able to portray uh, the normal character. What I mean by that, um, like you have to give it 50% more in front of camera, a little bit more more exaggerate to be able mm-hmm. on camera to see the take like like this person is acting this way. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it takes double. It's the same in theater. When you're in theater, you, oh, you yeah. have to be more over exaggerated for the audience to feel the character. So yeah. otherwise, if you're just normal, like normal person, then on the camera, you're just dull. It's a little bit dull. Dull. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. you're not going to feel it. I like that. That's, so, that's that's a good comparison compared to theater. Yeah. You had mentioned the film that you guys had done earlier, um, Amityville, Mount Saint, Mount Misery Road. Yeah. Um, how was the production like timing? compared to a movie that do that you're doing smack dab in the middle of pandemic like how long was the production from the american ripper and then what about the production length how much how long was production for maybe your past movie like was it still a big difference well the amityville mountain is road believe it or not everybody copied us on that so um once we we it was just literally this haunted road where i grew up right around the corner from amityville horror house uh, in Long Island, New York, uh, uh, where it's uh, Amityville, the town of Amityville, uh, and also uh, Huntington, Melville is in Long Island. I grew up in Old Beth Page for all my Beth Page friends out there. Um, but 
this almost you know seven million people knew about this haunted road. It's been cursed for five hundred years. The settlers were warned by the Indians not to to go in that area, uh, and then a lot of crazy stuff started happening. So I had this great idea one day to say, hey, you know, um, Caroline, I want to show you this place where I grew up. You know, this road that's famous. So I took her out there again in like five degree weather, and we started shooting it right on the location there. Uh, in, in Mount Misery Road, you know, right around the corner from the Amityville Horror House. So, uh, but we shot this film, believe it or not, on a cell phone. So the whole film is shot on a cell phone. We didn't have any idea what was going to happen with it. Uh, and um, we submitted it to Los Angeles, to some of our friends out there. And they were literally fighting over the film. They liked uh, it. They considered it like mm -hmm. a, a secondary Blair Witch <laughs> situation. So it went viral? It went viral. It blew up. And we sold out Walmart stores within one week. And we were it was very all surprised. Over. We, <laughs> we had, filmed it on the cell phone. Yeah, we had death threats. People, you know, trying to get us. And it was just crazy, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it was just this over, you know, overabundance of, 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 of whelming uh, people calling us from all over. Man, I love your film. People, I hate your film, but I love your film, but I hate your film. You know, it was back and forth, you know? But we had mm -hmm. so much fun because we filmed on a, a damn cell phone. Oh, and after you know? that, after that, we have like maybe twenty other uh, producers that copied. They copied us, idea. and they started putting out more films on right. Amityville, yeah. and, and doing mm -hmm. you know ripoffs from Amityville, and and uh, and we, we there was a buzz going around in L.A. saying that Chuck and Carolina Morangello are the ones that started all this, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, they started considering it like a Blair Witch Project kind of thing, and but it wasn't, you know, we we had fun making it with a cell phone. You know, and the movies we're making now are just at a totally different level. That's a different league right now. Yeah, it's a different league, you know, yeah. level. So um, the previous movie was really done on the spot. And really, we didn't even expect anything from from there. But uh, our new movies are, are a big production movies. We so wanted to make it more no organic. There's yeah. no comparison. Amityville was more of an organic thing. Uh, uh, yeah. This new movie, uh, The American Ripper, is more of a, a different league. And then the other stuff that we're doing right now is a whole different level oh, yeah. that we're doing right now. Yeah. So everything, everything is just everything works well whenever it's just lifted up organically. And you guys, you know, you guys seem like the perfect uh, movie couple, the perfect director uh, to just like pick up your projects off off the ground. It seems like you guys lift each other up every day. Um, what a, what a honestly, what a perfect. Uh, match made in heaven it looks like right you guys uh uh yeah, well, we're other. like rob zombie and his wife moon, moon zombie there you go you know we there love their go. films you know we love stuff with husband and wives you know humphrey bogart and lauren bacall you know we love all that mm -hmm. stuff you know well to do something with your uh, spouse especially in movie making uh it requires to be best friends you know we are like best friends mm -hmm. so we are really you know, we can talk business, we can talk relationship, whatever. We just talk about, you know, anything we want. So we are like best friends together. So I think that that's what actually keeps us together, you know, through all the whole project. Because I have to work with Chuck, you know, we have to work together. Right. And there's yeah. going to be some, uh, what you call it, I have to compromise. And he has to compromise, you know, because sometimes we have different visions or, or whatever. You know, I'm an editor, so I'm editing the whole thing. He's coming in, you know, he has to supervise. So it's kind of, um, Give and take. you know, uh, we mm -hmm. have to compromise, but you have to be still best friends to do that. <laughs> it's not going to yeah. be any other way. Cool. You guys, uh, you guys look amazing together. Um, I, uh, I'm, 
honored uh, and appreciated that you guys wanted to come on the show and talk about the American Ripper. I personally can't wait to sit down and watch it this weekend. Um, yeah. We told all the listeners where they can watch it. You guys can check it out on Vudu, Amazon Prime. Um, if you guys can see the wall of library behind me, what is your thought on physical media? Do you one day, is is the American Ripper going to be released one day on physical media? Well, hopefully, yes. Uh, hopefully it would be. Uh, however, we have other projects on the on the horizon, like I said, and if this one is not going to be released uh, on a on a hard copy, then our next one, which is coming out next uh, Easter, it's I'm sure it's going to be a hard copy, and it's probably going to be again Redbox or somewhere else, Walmart. We are trying to we are aiming for Netflix as well because we shot it on Netflix approved camera, so right. we're oh, nice. just trying to edit it with our editors right now to make it perfect. And then we have another two projects coming out, and hopefully us as well next year and, and or 2025. So yeah, I, maybe it will be, maybe it won't, but who knows? I'm at Evil Montmizero. We have hard copies, so if you guys want one, <laughs> we we can send it to you. Okay, well, nice. anyone. Um, I'm uh, I'm definitely a, a physical media collector. Uh, I would not mind a hard copy of that. I'll cool. definitely check it out. Who knows um, what's going to happen, Juan, in the in the next uh, few years? There, they may not be any more of those. Right. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, they're going to be like old true. albums, you know. Nice. Um, do you do you guys worry like uh, worry about the movie business? Just where we are at, just in the culture of film, you know. Obviously, the Marvels came out this week and bomb. Technically, it was a bomb compared to other Marvel films. Is the theater? I'm sure one day. I'm sure you guys would like to see one of your films on the big screen. Are you worried that? we may get to a point where we may not have theaters. And I, like you said, Netflix is a big subscriber to letting independent filmmakers do what, do their dream and do their vision. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that at, at this time? I can answer really quickly that question. Um, we are talking about the USA. We are talking about America, a culture. So mm -hmm. in America, yes, we have noticed that people do not go that often to the theaters anymore. And mm -hmm. that may, you know, progress to the point where the theater is going to be closing and and only a few will, you know, will sustain. We don't know. But uh, believe it or not, in other countries, like I have an accent, as you can see, you know, I'm from Poland mm -hmm. myself, as you can hear. As you can hear. Mm -hmm. there you go. I'm from Poland. So originally, when we go to Europe to visit my parents, it's packed. It's it's packed. packed. Packs. theaters nice. are packed and it's still like uh you know like you can't even get a ticket you know so it's like we watched terrify over oh, there yeah. and, and uh, packed. In, a, in her town over there in uh, eastern europe and literally it was packed with young kids young kids you know we went to go see martin skiscozzi's movie last week and his new film loved it thought it was a great film and yeah. with uh, you know Leonardo, it was and four people. It was four the people in the film. But we do like going to to watch films because right. we like to get popcorn, we like to get sodas, we like to lay back, we like to watch. Uh, and it's a traditional thing here in America going to the movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when I was growing up uh, in Long Island, uh, you know, Tales of the Crypt or Mark of the Devil. You know, from you know watching Jeremiah Johnson. You know, way before even Star Wars was even around. You know. Um, you know, there there was it was always very crowded movie theaters, and we seem to see that the movie theaters are dwindling. It's sad because yeah. it's uh, 
it's it's an American uh, tradition to go to 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 a get theater together. to get together, go with your family, eat some popcorn, watch the movies, get some hot dogs, you know, and sodas, and mm-hmm. and um, it's sad, you know. Um, I hope it never. It, I I used to love the albums, you know, have yeah. these big albums. We'd sit around and look at albums of the Jefferson Airplane or Jefferson Starship or The Doors or Jimi Hendrix and and Eric Clapton, and those are you know people don't even know what that stuff is today, you know. But there are movie theaters like, for example, Mexico or Latin America or South America or Europe, not even Poland, but as well, Germany and Spain and all over Europe. They're still packed. So there is a hope for movie theaters still in future, you know, here in America. Well, people are just, you know, prefer to stay home, I guess. But but still, you know, still hibernate. We become very... um, condition to the idea of oh you know killers of the fire moon is the apple tv movie so it'll be on there probably in january if i just wait a couple months you know it'll be on there but like you know me and johnny went and saw it and i was like that's a movie worth seeing on the big screen so you know you're missing out on some seeing something that could be incredible yeah like napoleon man I, i'm gonna be right there watching that that yeah. film you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, it's just a great role uh, and played in that. Um, you know, The Joker, another great oh, sort yeah. in the movie theater, you know, all these yeah. great mm-hmm. films. Uh, I, I, I sense just not the same effect, you know, um, watching yeah. it. You have a big uh, studio in your own house and you have a huge TV and a sound system, which is really cool. Then, yeah, yeah then I would understand that. Then you want to just. We do it. have a, a good system, but it's yeah. just not the same no, as yeah. watching it in a theater, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before before we let you guys out of here, I do want to ask the one question. We're huge on on lists. We love top fives. Um, whether you guys want to name some together, what would you guys' top five favorite movies be? Uh, best, uh, my favorite top five movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, well, you know, I like drama and I like horror, so I would um, probably, um, you know, there's more than top five, but I can give you a bunch of them. So, um, you know, I do like. Shining, I like that. I do like Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, you know, The Godfather's cool. Um, the original Godfather. <laughs> oh, I do yeah. anything with De Niro. Anything with any of those guys is great. Casino, yeah. you know, yeah. all these movies. But the last two, um, you know, I saw The Exorcist when it first came out. I thought it was uh, there was a fear throughout the whole world about wow, this thing lives. You know, wow, there's yeah. an exorcist. You know. So I saw that back in the 70s, and that was one of my top five, I would think. And as far as the last one, ah, man, there's just so many of them. Gone. Um, um, but, you know, um, um, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, Kurt Russell with The Thing. You know, I like that oh, film. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. You know. Um, but I can keep going on, but I'll, I'll ask Carolina what she thinks her best. I really, I really don't know. I mean, I have so many um, actors and actresses that I love. You know, I love Emily Blunt in her Girl on the Train. I like mm-hmm. um, Hatful Rich. I believe it or not, I like war movies. You know, I like uh, Dunkirk. Okay. I just like this movie for their sound. So I can oh, just yeah. listen to Dunkirk soundtrack for hours and don't even watch the movie, you know, let's just listen to the soundtrack. It's just amazing. So for me, the soundtrack plays a major role um, just to hear that music. Uh, what else know, you got? You got one more film or two um, more films, quick. I'm not sure, you know, I'm, 
I like, I'm not sure. I like psychological thrillers, something that there's a suspense. Um, what the Joker? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I like, you know, the movies with Michael Douglas, you know, I like The Game. Mm -hmm. I like, um, you know, um, Don't Breathe with Stephen Lang. Um, but I can't really think about my favorite. This is just some scattered, you know, <laughs> thoughts. Uh, no, those, are, those, are, those are some good films, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I want to, again, just say thank you guys for joining us. Again, you guys can find the American Ripper on, um, go check out the uh, the page on IMDb, but you can watch it on Vudu, uh, Amazon Prime, and look at for, look, look for it to pop up um, like on Tubi, like they said. Um, and Chuck and Carolina, I want to say uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, and definitely with new projects coming on, feel free, yeah. uh, send us some messages, pop on by and we will uh continue this good relationship and uh hard copy man i, I can't wait to see uh yeah send us the address i mean text we'll, me that and we'll sign it for you and send it yeah. off to you man we'll do so, we'll, uh, we'll put it right know, back here with the rest of them yeah we appreciate you guys zach and and gone to yeah. have us on your show and uh it's you guys are you know spreading the love and that's what it's all about yeah, and, and believing in independent <laughs> filmmaking is where it's all about you know uh, without you guys, uh, you know, people just don't get noticed as much, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, we really appreciate having us. It was fun, and, and it's always fun to chat, you know, yeah. about movies. And uh, hopefully yep. to see you in future on another show. We will, guys, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll see you uh, down the road. We'll see you with, for some more projects hopefully soon. And uh, have a great holiday. Thank um, you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. And, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, there we go. Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving. And if you watch uh, the American Ripper, make sure you lock your doors, close your windows, and make sure that you don't watch it by yourself. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I hope you guys all enjoy it. So thank you. Thank all you. Right. Thank you guys. Yes, have See a good you. night. Have a good day. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh Zach, there you what, go. what a fun interview. The American Ripper. We're gonna check it out this weekend. Um, and we'll talk about it on recent watches uh, next week. But speaking of recent watches, Zach, <clears throat> do you have anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, yeah, I just got through two things this week. And um, one, I checked out <clears throat> David Fincher's new movie on Netflix, The Killer, with Michael Fassbender. Very, very good film. Uh, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I, I haven't seen Michael Fassbender do something that good in quite some time. Um, if you like Seven, Zodiac, stuff stuff to that nature i think you'll really enjoy it and then uh kind of preview something we're doing in december uh i watched uh lord of the rings the return of the king i read i finished reading the book this past week and i was just kind of i wanted to do an instant watch just to see uh compare and contrast and you know i was just going to watch an hour of it just you know get just get into it i watched the whole damn three hours and 26 minutes so um, I'll be, I'm really excited to have that, to have that conversation in, uh, December. What about you? Uh, recent watches were kind of slow for me this week. I, I obviously back on the grind. Um, I tried to watch Steven Spielberg's first movie duel. I've had people tell me it was a classic. I thought it was a classic bore fest, honestly. Mm. No, no, not big of a bore fest, but you can definitely it's tell different. it was, one of, it it's was different. different. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give it a six. Um, I rewatched Blue Beetle. 
Um, the Meg Two was was trash. I honestly did Awful. not like the Meg Two Two at all. Terrible. Um, and then I watched the season finale of Loki. I don't know if you're all caught oh, up. Yeah, yeah, um, Loki. I did watch that. But, but I did. What you think? I did finish Loki. I think it's the. I think it's better than season one. And I think that it's probably. Uh, I know Tom Hiddleston came out and said that this is his finale and his send off for the character Loki. And that mm-hmm. he wants to retire the character, and at least he wants to retire himself from the character. So this is spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Loki season two, this is Loki's uh, send off, if you will, in the MCU. Um, yep. I thought it was phenomenal. I would give the entire season nine stars. Um, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, nine stars for season two as well. And, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. I think they are really trying to just judge, judging the way season two ended and where we leave that character of Loki. I think they are trying to write out Kang as being the major villain for the MCU, just judging by how the season ended and what they're implying. Um, Yeah, I don't. Obviously, this probably sets a whole new precedent of where the MCU goes from here. But um, it was it was interesting, especially after our conversation from last week. Going into the Marvels, did you check out the Marvels in theaters? No, I just I was sick and we had a death in the family, so I just didn't get to it. So, but I've heard, like I said, I've heard mixed things. It's sitting at like a sixty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Some people absolutely despised it. Others said it was a real fun ride. So I'm. I'm hoping to catch it, catch it this weekend. So, um, if you guys want to know, uh, or if you guys have anything you want to recommend recent watches for, send us off. Like I said, it was a it was a small week for me watching movies. Um, I would recommend honestly go finish Loki, go start season two. If you haven't seen it, go watch season one and two. Um, I did watch two episodes of the Santa Clauses. Um, <laughs> It's entertaining, but it's obviously a little too old. I mean, it's it's not nostalgia anymore. Um, but honestly, yeah. go check out. And then uh, the movie we're talking about today is on Paramount Plus, um, or you can go out and, and get the uh, the big old hard copy. Um, but that's what we're talking about today. We are mentioning and discussing Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, starring Tom Cruise, Haley Adwell. Ving Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, Isai Morales, um, Henry Serzi, Shay Winming, and directed by Christopher uh, McQuarrie. McQuarrie. Um, right now, this has a 7.8 on IMDb, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. The meta score is 81%. And the Google users like it at 78%. With a theatrical release of July 12th of this year, 2023, the budget was almost $300 million. Um, But this is where we kind of turn our heads. The box office was only at $567 million. Um, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Zach, you got to see this in the theaters, I believe. Um, what was it like for your first viewing? And honestly, what was it like for the rewatch for this episode? 
So <clears throat> going into this film, I, I shouldn't say I had high expect. I didn't have high expectations just because fallout was such an amazing film. I think it's one of the 10 best action films we've had in the last decade, to be honest. Um, so I knew this one wasn't going to reach the heights of fallout, but going into it, just, you know, giving it a chance. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's some things in it that will probably get more answers or make more sense once we get to part two in 2025. But overall, I enjoyed it and I had the same feeling this, this time around like I did in the theater. What about you? I watched it twice, checked it out Sunday morning, and then I tried to skim through it and rewatch it again for this episode today. So I've seen it twice in like three days. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna get to it. Um, if I had to say one word after the movie was over, honestly, disappointed. Um, mm. and 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 we'll talk about it. Like you said, Fallout was a fantastic film. And then Tom Cruise comes back and whips it out and does Top Gun Maverick. And you get the awesome IMAX trailer one year before about Mission Impossible. So the buildup was completely out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and maybe it's because I didn't see it on the big screen. But you know what? I also didn't see Fallout on the big screen. And I thought it was a phenomenal film. Uh, yeah. And nobody's saying this one's not phenomenal. But with all the hype and how much... Uh, distraction there was around another Mission Impossible movie. A little disappointed, but we'll get to it. Um, Let's take a quick look at the uh, submarine open. What do you think of the open? And you get a full 30 minutes before you get the opening credits. Um, So what do you think of that first 30 minutes? So, in my personal opinion, I think that I think the the submarine opening sequence kind of hinders the movie a little bit because it t- it took me like five minutes to really figure out what was going on, um, and obviously, obviously, but the whole entity AI thing is definitely a real life threat in our world today. So. I'm glad they took something that is real and put it into a Mission Impossible movie, but some of the some of the things that they came up with this in this just doesn't. Like I said, it could make sense in part two once we get to there, but it in it just on the basis of this film by itself, it didn't really add up to me in my in my part, in, in my opinion. Same, uh, and I and again I was hoping. You don't need part two for part one to make any kind of sense because, you know, we now we have to wait two years yep. before we even get the final part two. And is part two the end of the entire thing? We just we just don't know. And but if you're looking back at it from a perspective, I think Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one is just over uh I I think it's it's too complicated. I, I think they're trying to make it too complicated of a film. At some points in the movie, I feel like I'm watching a James Bond movie. At mm-hmm. some points, I think the whole the whole storyline of the uh, oh, what's his crew called the IMF. IMF. I think the whole IMF storyline is outplayed. 
Um, I don't think you got enough Simon Pegg and Ving Raim scenes. I love those two together. All three of those guys are just, they can be so much fun together. I don't think you got enough of them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the action scenes are breathtaking. Don't get me wrong. But you know what's it's you know what's missing is the hard pounding fight scenes that they introduced in the last two films, and and that to me I think is what hurts this film the the most is that when I watch Fallout I'm just adrenalized like through the entire movie. The, in this film I have moments of that. It, it just it didn't have the same kinetic energy that the last one did, and I don't know if it was just they didn't have a good idea for this one or it just didn't it just didn't really it's not cohesive enough um but i will say you know i was worried but i was kind of worried that this one wasn't going to be good just wasn't going to be good at all um but when we got to um Haley atwell's character grace i think she really she brought the energy that this the film was needing honestly uh Let's talk about some of the new characters in this movie. Um, you get introduced to uh, really who is the new character? Vanessa Kirby, right? The White Widow. No, she was in the last one. She was in the last one. Oh, uh, Gabriel. Grace, Gabriel, and Grace are the two new characters. Um, you do get spoiler alert. Go check this movie out on Paramount Plus, and uh, go buy the physical copy. Uh, Issa dies in this one. Oh, uh, Ilsa, yeah, and that was Rebecca Ferguson. I felt like that was that was going to happen, especially since they introduced Grace as as a kind of like a new. I don't want to call her a love interest, but definitely a character that's definitely is on the same level as as Ethan. Um, which I think is a really that whole sequence of where he's just running all throughout the, the streets of Rome. And Grace and Ilsa fight Gabriel on that bridge. I thought was I thought that was a well done well done shot. You know what? Also, kind of just frustrating, man, is I don't think this movie, uh, for it being two hours and forty five minutes, I don't think this movie delivers enough punch. You know, there's some scenes where I'm just looking at my phone. I'm kind of like, does this really need to happen? And then it kind of just abruptly has a quiet soft ending again i i I think they should have named it part one you think it should have been like dead reckoning and then not the last one has like some kind of like the last mission or something yeah something like that i I think this one is just a little it's man it it got me man i i don't other than a few scenes that i wrote down i don't see this one being as memorable to me it feels like maybe the first three or the first two there's like no really big memorable scenes in this movie and i feel like it's just i don't know it's it's this one was lackluster for me well and like for me i think one thing the the promotional advertisement for this film they played up the 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 motorcycle the the jump off the cliff way too much and so by the time we get to that it's just it's not a surprise it doesn't it doesn't hold the adrenaline like um the bathroom fight sequence or the skydiving sequence and fallout um and to me to be completely honest with you i thought the best whole entire the, the best action film the 
the best action scene of the film was then was when Ethan and Grace were jumping uh, car uh, train cars as it was going off a cliff. I thought that one had way more stakes and way more adrenaline than than the motorcycle jump, and even the the Rome Fiat car chase where they're handcuffed together. I thought was actually a really well done sequence that was on the, almost on the same level as Fallout. So. Yeah, yeah, but by all means, the stunts are amazing. The 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 action sequences that Tom Cruise is in, by all means, they equaled Fallout. Were they better than Fallout action sequence wise? I don't think so, but they definitely equaled, and they were definitely a lot of fun. Um, yeah. What do you think about the idea of the choice being like? <laughs> I I feel like it's kind of like an Avenger thing, where like you make the choice and you're part of the crew. Did you like that? kind of aspect of it no because that made me feel like i was watching fucking fast and the furious um i i i thought you know i thought it was too too complex i don't think it mm -hmm. i don't think a mission impossible movie needs to be that Christopher nolan movie yeah i don't i don't think it needs to be tenet or it doesn't need to you know touch bases on right or wrong like that um i have that in my notes with the with the whole bomb scene. My God, that bomb scene was annoying to me just because, okay, are you going to blow up or not? The bomb wants you to fucking solve the riddle or else it's voice. Now it's voice recognition. Now it wants an yeah. answer from you. The whole entity, entity uh, sequences for me were just, and I know that's the day and age we're living in. I know there's so much smart tech out there. But I wasn't ready for all this smart tech to be in my movies. I wasn't ready for it to be in an Mission Impossible movie. But right. I know, I know they're up, trying to update with the times. Um, whether that stuff can actually happen or not, it was just a little dumbfounded to me about, okay, you know, Simon Pegg's character is getting counted down five, four, three, two, one. But what do you, what do you what did you think about that bomb scene? I mean. I, I mean, I enjoyed the bomb scene. I, I I don't know. I feel like I'm the one defending this movie today. Um, I, I felt like the whole notion of the entity able to take what you know and love and use it against you, I like that aspect of it. I just think it wasn't fully fleshed out in this film because the whole entire time, I truly thought a uh, Gabriel was like an AI, like he was some kind of like Terminator or something. Which he's because still like, right? Well, I mean, I, well, the fact that they they tied into the original film that he was there the entire time, I'm just like, yeah, but how many people have gone back and watched the original Mission Impossible? Not very I many. Think, I, I think at that point in time, you're just trying to get people to maybe go back and either buy it or sign up for Paramount Plus. Even though, let's look at it this way: is this movie? Like we talked about, uh, Chuck, with the American Ripper and the pandemic, was this movie doomed from the beginning because it filmed in 2020? It, it's possible. I mean, I mean, there are, I mean, there are clearly scenes when you watch this, there are, there's no one on the streets. Like you can tell this was this was a COVID era film. Um, and shit. Man, let's let's just talk about the box office. I mean, this movie, like you caught this, it cost almost three hundred million dollars. It didn't. It barely made half of what the the last film made. 
The okay. last film almost made a billion dollars. And, you know, we could, you know, we could sit here and argue and debate, you know, was this, is it, should have they, should have they, should have they moved this film a week? They put this movie came out a week before the Barbenheimer thing, Barbara, our Barbie and our Oppenheimer. Is that to blame for this? Is it, was, are people just burnt out of Tom Cruise or is it, is it, or like you said, he had Fallout and Maverick back to back, you know, was this doomed to fail because of those two films? And I don't, I don't even know. That's, that's, that's the best. That's the question looming over this movie. I don't think people are done with Tom Cruise because Top Gun was such a, a, a huge film. But again, it was Top Gun 2. It wasn't any, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, yeah. it was Top Gun 2. Um, and another film we're talking about in December, Sound of Freedom, it beat it at the box office. And that's just, that's a, you know, a very independent Christian film. Did they come out the same week? Uh, Sound of Freedom came out, I think, the week two before. weeks before. A week, week or two before, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a movie we're talking about soon, but... Um, I don't know. I don't think it was doomed from the start. Um, and I don't think it has, maybe it did have something to do with the lineup because, you know, like you said, Barbie and, and Oppenheimer just completely, you know, destroyed it. Um, and, but, you know, I see a lot of, I've, I've read a lot of reviews and the reviews are for the film are phenomenal. 7.8, 96%, 81%, 78%. So people love this movie. Uh, they just didn't love it enough to go see it at the box office. I mean, well, but, we wouldn't but, saw it. But you're also talking about, I mean, I don't know. We're talking about a day and age where $567 million is not a lot that's of a money anymore for a movie. But that's yeah. almost that's almost a billion dollars. That's half. You're halfway there. I I don't know, man. It, it, what do you it's think? It's one of those. So we'll go ahead. I was just going to name it. I was just going to say, no, I was just going to say, you know, we saw it in the IMAX that opening weekend and it was, it was packed, you know? So I, I, I'm surprised that this didn't make more than $500 million. So what, and yeah, but what, what were you going to say? Um, so the end of our number one, you know, you get, uh, you get the, the shootout scene. Where him and, uh, like you said, they're getting ready to get in that car and they have the phenomenal uh, mm -hmm. driving sequences. Yeah. Uh, do you think also some of these movies are just now starting to be put together because, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't a fan of the whole entity thing. I wasn't a fan of Gabriel. Um, you know, and at some points you felt like, um, you felt like Tom Cruise was almost being put as the, the, the villain in this movie. Like at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you this. Who is the true villain of Dead Reckoning Part 1? Is it Gabriel? Is it is it the entity I, itself? Is he part of the entity? Is it uh, Kitridge? Is, is, is he part of something that we probably should be discussing? I, I truly think that the, the, the villain of the movie is the the technology that we have created to make ourselves better, but it's truly going to destroy us. So I guess it is the entity. Um, 
And again, it, it always goes back to like, it's always a bidding war between the, the villains of who gets control of this. Or it's the the MacGuffin of the movie is what's going to, you know, everyone's after it, but, you know, does it really matter by the time you get to the end of the film? So. And then what did you think of the whole key thing? You know, two keys to rule them all. You twist them together and, you know, they, we still makes really like a, didn't. It makes did like we a really cross find out what whatever. that key goes to yet? Or are they saving that no. for part two? Yeah, but they keep, and that, and that's, and that was the irritating thing about this movie is that, you know, the MacGuffin is the key, right? Or is it the, the MacGuffin is the key because like the MacGuffin is what does it open? They say that the, the secretary, Carrie Elways knows they kill him off. And then now they know that they say that Gabriel knows, but you know, he jumps off the train as, and is survived somehow. Um, and so at the end of the day, it's like, is it nuclear codes? Is it the ability to control, have full control over anyone's fate? Because they keep saying fate of like, oh, I know how Ethan, I know how your story is going to be. Vanessa Kirby, you make the choice. I know how your story is going to end. Like, is that is that the the moral? Is that we know we've created a technology that knows how we live, breathe, and die, essentially? So, and that's the irritating thing about a part one is that now you have to wait two, now two years to get like a conclusion and actual concrete answers about what all this means. And then at that point, what if that movie's three hours? Now you have a almost six-hour Mission Impossible Part One and Part Two, and you're just like, <sighs> "Holy, holy Christ!" You know, but we'll be there. Know. You know, we will. So, and then we you get to the there. whole you get to the whole train sequence, the train scenes at the end, which is I thought was going to be a, a pretty phenomenal scene, but then it dragged out to where you just. Again, you don't get a payoff for the ending, and it's because it's a part one. Yeah. And then the final scene is going back to the submarine. It's just like, I know Ethan is going to have to swim all the way down there, and he's probably going to drown, and that's how the series is going to end. So. I don't know, man. It, Like I said, I enjoyed this film. I, I don't think it's on the same level as Fallout, but I still had fun with it by the time I got to the end of it. I, there are... There are things that they could be done different, um, don't, like I don't, said. Don't get me confused. Was the wa initial watch in the movie theater, how big of a difference was your attention span on watching the movie at home? Well, if I'm doing a sh if I'm doing a watching a movie for this show, I just keep my phone in the other room, so I have full attention while watching so, it. So, so like if you if you. Just with the, this is probably just a yes or no. Does your grade go down? Like, if you were to grade this movie right after the movie theater watch, does it go down today, right after watching it at home? After the second initial watch? No, because it ended up, I still had the same feelings. It really ended up on the same grade scale as I was going to give it the first time around. So, do you think you would have liked it a lot more if you had seen it in the theater? probably and and it's not saying that it's not a good action film i just think the the girth is what got to me watching it at home this time yeah i agree so, but i mean every part that tom cruise was in i loved it man uh, you know i thought he did phenomenal i thought the the scenes were phenomenal 
you can tell some of his action scenes maybe weren't really on a train. Maybe he did some jumpings off of, you know, like a, a fake train with CGI background, maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely still enjoy and appreciate everything he's trying to help put on screen. And I, I think single-handedly Tom Cruise is trying to save the movie, the, the theater. I do. I really do. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I, I, I would like to say I can't wait to see what he does next. I don't know if he has anything coming out in between part one and part two. It may just be part two coming up next in 2025. Yeah, part two is next, yeah. yeah. And, well, and the fact that, you know, while his film didn't do good compared to what his other films have done in the last couple of years, he went out during the press tour and promoted to do the Bar- the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature. So you know, you can definitely tell that he cares about the theater and that experience. Um, you know, I would be, I'd be more worried about, you know, making sure my movie did good, but that, that shows confidence in how much he cares about the theater is that he's out there promoting other directors and other actors work. So. I think he knew his movie was going to have its one week of success. But after yeah. that one week, he knew it would probably be number three at the best. Yeah, that's true. So why it, not go, why not go promote the other two movies? But while you're doing that, you're like, oh hey, that's Tom Cruise from the new Mission Impossible movie. Let's go see that too. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I'm sure people that would. When, he's when not. Barbie he's and, not. He's not dumb. Let's put it that way. No, if Barbie, I mean, I'm sure you know if we were in that spot, if Barbie and Oppenheimer were sold out. Hey, what's the next best thing? Let's go see Mission Impossible. Not, I'm sure a lot of people thought that and did that. So, and I'm pretty sure if Barbie came out Thanksgiving or like later, I'm sure Mission Impossible would probably be number one or two throughout the summer with with Oppenheimer. Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. Um, but no, we we talked Tom Cruise. I thought it was a fun movie. Um, if Tom Cruise was not in the movie and if his crew wasn't in it. Man, I, I I don't know how this probably would have ended up, but uh, I, I we didn't you, get to touch you, on them a lot. What do you think about Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames? Do you think this? You know, do you think one of them? I thought Simon Pegg was going to die off in this movie. Let's talk about just the the quick die offs. Do you think anybody's going to die off because the, it is supposedly the the last one in twenty twenty five, or do you think no? Think, do you think they'll, you think they'll get to write off in the sunset? I think they'll get off, get to write off on the sunset because I think if you're going to do that, you needed to do it in this one. You kill off Benji, kill off uh, Luther. Um, I'm curious of whether or not they'll bring Jeremy Ritter back for this last one. Um, Cause I, I think he's a good fit in these films as well. We just, I think his last one was um, rogue nation and that was 2015. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool to see him come back. Um, we didn't really talk about Haley Atwell that well that much, but I thought she was phenomenal in this. I think, like I said, I think she brought the life to the film, and she definitely had a lot of chemistry with Tom Cruise. Um, what do you think about her character or her performance? Uh, that's I thought she had a great performance. I adored the character. Uh, actress is phenomenal, but if I had to go back, you know, it, it's just some small. I didn't enjoy the little magic, magic stuff disappearing oh, of yeah. key yeah i don't know why some of that stuff was written in there but it just seemed a little campy for me a little mm-hmm. uh you know a little Cringy. campy yeah but 
it's it, it definitely provided a different taste of Fallout, and I think that that's what they were going for. Um, it's just uh, it just wasn't as uh, amazing you as wish, I thought it was going to be. You wish you had another Fallout. This and is Halloween. I... This is Halloween Kills in a Halloween Ends trilogy for me. It no. you know this is this is a good film. It's fun. It's exciting, but it could be let's better. see. Leah, let's see where part two goes before we probably grade the entire two-parter. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys do you have any favorite? Do you have any favorite scenes? Uh, I do. Um, my favorite scenes are going to be uh, the bomb scene, or not the bomb scene, leading up to the bomb. That first oh, thirty, the the, yeah, the yeah. airport scene. The first thirty minutes of uh, him talking to. Um, Kit Ridge when he takes off the mask and then you know he's like how are you going to get out of here and then he puts that mask back on um, that, that was fun that was, it felt old school Mission Impossible um, and let, let's not forget these movies all these movies all seven of them are utterly fantastic compared to I'm going to get flack for this but the original like TV series let's not forget oh, that yeah, yeah absolutely um, so I enjoyed the the train sequence was real real fun. Him jumping out with the parachute, which I believe was one hundred percent Tom Cruise, yep, one hundred percent real flying camera of watching Tom Cruise fly. Um, that was phenomenal. Um, and then I like you, I like the bridge scene where uh, you know his his little girlfriend finally dies, and you kind of get a touching moment with Tom Cruise right there. I wish we got more Vanessa Kirby though. Yeah, I, I, I hope she comes back for the, uh, for the part two as well because she's she's awesome in these films. Her her character is the White Widow. You don't know if I think that's like the the the, the thrill of that character is you don't know what she's thinking. Is she gonna kill you? Is she gonna, you know, let you live to be see another day? Um, I think you know she's she's phenomenal as that character. Um, I'd say. The train cars, where they're jumping from train car, train car to train car, I thought was phenomenal. Um, and the the Fiat car chase. Um, well, I don't think I still had the same thrill, but I don't think it was just on the same level as that motorcycle chase in Fallout, where he's just going through the city. Um, yeah, um, and I'd say Grace's entrance. I thought, you know, while you didn't like the magic switcheroo of like the keys and the, the lighter. I thought it was a good, it's comedic relief for uh, kind of a serious situation. So. Yeah. Um, I would also say like, you know, if anybody's out there, if you haven't seen this movie yet, um, go watch it for yourself, go check it out on Paramount plus go buy it on physical media. It's by all means, it's not the worst mission impossible. Um, it's, it's really a lot of fun. I think this this past week I've just had an issue with like just the girth of this movie. So, yeah. um, and if honestly, if you're not in, if you're not entwined into this movie, it it is a little bit more complex than the others. So if you're not inclined into this movie, it's very easy to kind of just drift off with how long it yeah. is. So yeah, I agree. Um, all that being said, star rating wise, I'm gonna give this movie a seven. Um, it's not the best mission for me, but it's not the worst. Um, Tom Cruise's girth scares me a little bit in this movie, so I'm definitely giving this a seven. 
It's a fun watch. Like I said, you just got to be intertwined because they do try to make this mission a little bit more complex. So that being said, I don't know how the rewatchability is going to be. So for now, it's a seven. Zach, what about you? Uh, I'll go one step further. I'll I'll give it an eight. Um, I still had this thrills. I wish there was more thrills that I like when you when you walked out of Fallout. Um, Great performances. Haley Atwell was an awesome addition to this. Uh, obviously the good stunts you, you that's why you see these in the movies um like you said it's a good mission it's not a it's not the worst it's not the best it's kind of in that i'd probably put in the, in the top there's six there's seven of them i'd probably okay. put in the top four at least um and like, like i said you know until we see part two this one might make a lot more sense once it's all uh the bridge is connected so we'll just have to see um that being said, guys, if you have not checked out last week's episode or if you want to hit us up on the social medias, go do it. Facebook.com forward slash the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. The Instagram recent watches are all one word, the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. X, formerly known as Twitter, is at Cinnamon405. Uh, the email bag returns next week with a Thanksgiving Day email bag. C-I-N-E-M-E-N-921 at gmail.com. Uh, Before we get out of here, Zach, uh, I saw recent news right before we uh, came on the air, uh, and I wish Craig was here so we could discuss it with him. Marvel's moving on from the Kang Dynasty. They are completely completely rewriting uh, for the next few phases, and they are moving on from the Kang Dynasty. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, like I said, uh, with with the implications of Loki Season 2, that does not surprise me. It really doesn't. So, Pretty much, Kang Kang is no more in at the end of Loki two. Yep, that yeah, that's exactly that, what they're going for. Technically, that's what he did, right? He sacrificed himself to destroy and move on from Kang. Yep, essentially. So Ant Man is garbage, technically. Quantumania, you don't need it in in the series at all. <laughs> you really no, it doesn't. It, and that's like the irritating thing is just like, you know, I. We could put blame all we want, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Marvel's. I think at this point, Marvel's just gonna have to take like a five-year timeout and just kind of re regroup, reassess, rewrites, and just kind of go from there. So now it's time to reintroduce uh, Doctor Doom. Maybe who knows? Yep. But as far as next week, guys, next week the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We talk about the number one highest grossing movie of the year, I believe, still. We talk about Barbie. And um, arguably, maybe one of the best movies of the year. We'll have to discuss. Arguably, maybe. We'll talk about it next week. Um, Margot Robbie, Brian Gosling. Barbie is our next subject matter. Uh, what better way to spend Thanksgiving than to uh, watch Barbie and talk about it and listen to us debate? yell scream fight scratch claw about barbie next week right here on the cinema movie podcast zach we put mission impossible dead reckoning to sleep we had a fun conversation with two great directors and actors today um are you excited to talk barbie next week what are your thoughts you know it's funny like i always try to stay ahead i am not i'm so scared to do this rewatch of barbie i'm just afraid it's gonna suck (laughs) just because the theater just because the theater experience was awesome um We'll just have to see. I mean, there's a lot of people out there saying that Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are going to get Oscar nominations for this. So we'll 
we'll just have to find out. But uh, yeah, I'll I'm I'm, I'm I'll probably watch it tonight. That way, it's just out of my brain. So four months later, we have our own Barbenheimer next week. Barbie on the podcast. The week after, the last Thursday of November, we talk Oppenheimer. So two fantastic movies. At least they were when we watched them in the theater. Two back-to-back watches. Um, two back-to-back episodes. Next week, we started off with Barbie. Next Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we are also having a top five. A top five. I'm not going to announce it just yet, but we will have a top five next week, right before we review Barbie. Um, other than that, Zach, uh, any uh, final nail nails in the coffin for Dead Reckoning Part One before we get out of here? No, go check it out. Form your own opinion. Uh, Barbie next week. We'll see you then. All right, guys, have a good week, and we will talk to you next week for Barbie right here on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. We accepted this mission this week. Will you accept yours?